0: fourth Sunday of Lent, we turn to the Psalms for truth. During this time of virtual meeting that we are grateful for, we're switching from selections in Samuel to various biblical texts that will help us care for our souls in the global situation we find ourselves in. Today we study Psalm 27. I'm going to read the Psalm first. Today I'm reading from the NIV because the cadence is more familiar, I think, for us. The words will be on the screen behind me so you can either read silently or aloud with me as you choose. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice. With shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek do not hide your face from me do not turn your servant away in anger you have been my helper do not reject or forsake me god my savior though my father and mother forsake me the lord will receive me teach me your way lord lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors do not turn me over to the desire of my foes For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. Let us pause and pray. Lord, this song tells us so much about you. As we talk about who you are, may we be filled with your hope. You inspired the writing of this beautiful piece. May we be encouraged by your presence among us, all in different places, as we humbly think through what these words mean. This morning we ask for your Holy Spirit to join us together in unity, to join with us all those who are worshiping around the world and in the heavenly realms. Although we can't all be in the same space, we ask for you to bind us together in you. We praise and thank you, God of heaven and earth. Amen. This psalm is simply titled, Of David. As with many of the psalms that he wrote, it's difficult to know which period of his life it comes from. Although many have thought that it was written before he was the king. Here we see trouble from enemies from foes, from adversaries, those intent on doing him harm. This is considered a psalm of lament, a song of sorrow, but it's also characterized as one of thanksgiving. Because it is both elements, some scholars have opined that it was written by more than one person. That might be true. But we know that all of us have the capability of having sorrow and joy at the same time, especially when we know the Lord. Paul says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances, not because we rejoice in hardship, that we love difficulty, but because we rejoice in the Lord who walks with us through our challenges. We give thanks for who he is making us to be through it. We are expectant of the good that he will bring because of it. He is over everything, and we give him praise. The main idea of this psalm is for the reader to put their confidence in the Lord. David is reminding us how mighty and how reliable he is, that we can trust him fully. This morning, we're going to go through the psalm, and we're going to pull out truths along the way. And I know that Jesus is here to minister to us, giving us what he wants us to learn. Verse 1 is what drew me to this psalm for us this week. Look at how the Lord is described here. He is our light, our salvation. He is the stronghold of our lives. Think about how we need all of these right now even without a virus invading our world. In order to survive all that comes against us, we need God's light, his salvation, his strength. So I want us to talk about each one for a second. God is light. While he is often associated with light in the Bible, this is the only verse where he is called light. Jesus is described as light in John, He himself says that I am the light of the world. But in the Old Testament, this is unique. Light is who God is, but it's also God's creation. He is said to wrap himself in light as if it were a garment. In first Timothy, Paul says God lives in unapproachable, inaccessible light. Think about what this is saying when the darkness threatens to overwhelm us. When we can't find our way, when we need the light and the warmth that it brings, God is our light. He himself, he himself is the solution to our darkness. God is our salvation, David says. The Hebrew word here means deliverance. And here, David uses it as a way of being saved from his enemies. Where else can we find True salvation, true deliverance, no place. But where do we look for salvation? Every place. I have a friend who is skilled in reminding me of truths that I don't necessarily want to hear. And yesterday we were talking about how so many of us are running uh, to get groceries every place and hoarding and gathering supplies because we're worried about not having enough And she said this, the situation has shown us how we're not in control. But the truth is, we were never in control. So nothing has really changed. We're just more aware of the reality of our lives. Ouch. I wasn't really sure that I wanted to hear that. How will we be delivered from this situation? Not with canned food and paper goods not with obsessing about the news, not with hand-washing and disinfecting. All those are important and wise and good. We have to have those in order to get through, but they are not going to save us. David tells us to focus on God for our salvation in times of worrying and wanting to hold on to something real, which will see us through all that we experience Here, this scripture reminds us that God alone is our deliverer. His name is Jesus. God is the stronghold of our lives. As a warrior, David might have had impressive physical strength. In his encounter with Goliath, he certainly faced a bigger opponent than he was. Yet he has come to know that there is one who is stronger than anything we face here. God is also stronger than anything we rely on. What is it that you rely on? What strength do you have to get you through difficult times? Wisdom, experience, good looks, personality, resources, good health, career, family, friends. Having all of those things as a strength so good so important we need to utilize those we need to share those with the rest of the world but that those things can't be what we fully rely on remember when David was going to fight Goliath they outfitted him with so much armor that he almost fell over because he was so weighed down finally he said nope not doing this can't do this no more instead He faced Goliath with a few stones and a slingshot. And he prayed to the Lord for strength and told Goliath that the Lord Almighty himself was going to deliver him and give him the victory. What a good picture for us today. The armor that we use to protect ourselves laying on the ground and us praying, Lord, please deliver us from the giant that we face today. May everyone who knows you know that you trust in the Lord for victory. God gives us light and strength and salvation so we won't be afraid. And David is asking himself the question of why he should be afraid when he has the Lord as all of these things. God brings illumination through his truth and presence, redemption to our souls, strength to help us overcome God is with us, we don't have to be in control. I wish I could be with you to hear you say amen. We have God, he's all we need. But let's talk about fear for a second. Fear is real and may be very present or crippling for us right now. David's asking an important question. Of whom shall I be afraid? In my own struggles, and the counseling that I do with my family, I often ask the question, what are you afraid of in this situation? What's holding you back? Where are you paralyzed with fear? It's helpful because when we can name the fear, it takes the part that is not known by us away. If we can identify the source of anxiety, where it's coming from, it's helpful. This week in our Wednesday word, I encouraged us to name the burdens we wanted the Lord to carry with us on our journey. And today I ask you to name your fears. As we wait for the next wave of the virus to impact our community, we have a lot of fears. Some of those fears have already been realized. Loss of jobs, loss of opportunities, strained relationships we are facing the loss of many things that we don't even know possibly including life itself and we always have to ask ourselves if what we're afraid of is bigger than the lord almighty is what is keeping us up at night more powerful than god He has gutted evil. He has taken the sting out of death. Jesus has given new life and great hope. In him, he redeems all things. Fear is a natural response. And we have plenty of fear right now in the world. But nothing we fear is greater than the one who is in us. The one who has given us victory. The one who loves us. The one who calls us by name. The one who has a plan for all things. Verses 2 and 3 are all about the evil that comes at us, our enemies and foes. David says, even though a whole army besieged me, my heart will not be afraid. My dad flew B-52s in wartime. He didn't talk much about it, but he flew a lot of missions. And when we asked him, were you scared? He told us that he had moments of sheer terror. Even long after it was over, when I was growing up, He would have dreams that were so real that he knew that he was back in combat. They would be running out of fuel. The plane would be going down. They would be being shot at. He would wake up and everything in him would be in fight mode. David was a soldier. This is language from someone who has been in the battle and understands what war is like. Some of you have experienced actual war. And there are no words to describe it. Others of us have gone through all manner of other kinds of battles. And we have scars and we understand how difficult it is to feel confident when we are on the front lines thinking that we're not going to make it. Even when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, our foes are before us and they threaten to completely undo us. In the middle of the battle, David turns to contemplation. Verses 4 and 5 are so beautiful. His mind wants to get away from the weariness of death. He changes his focus. Where do people who are in war want to go? They want to go home. They think of the place where they feel loved and nurtured, where their souls find rest. This isn't about the architecture of the temple or the furniture on earth we long for the people with whom we are close here we join david's longing for the god who welcomes us with great love he wants to dwell in the house of the lord because that is often where god meets us in meaningful and life-changing ways today marks my 40th year of saying yes to jesus for my life and i was thinking about how often he has met me in those years, and how often those experiences have been in his house. When I first decided to follow him in junior high, my baptism, my call to be a pastor, in times of loss and heartache, in times of transition and big decisions, in times where I just needed to know that the Lord was near taking away my sin and my shame, that he was just there to hold me close and to love me and to encourage me in celebrating joyful milestones. During all of those times, I've been in the house of the Lord. Now, God can speak to us any place. We know that. Yet it is very likely that the place we regularly seek him is where he does his most important work in us. The sanctuary of the Lord is where he dwells because he promises to be among his people as they worship him. When God delivers us, we praise him. Verse 6 shows how David gives thanks by shouting for joy as he gives to the Lord. We sing and make music before him. I want us to pay special attention to how David does not ask for deliverance specifically for his current situation. He asks instead that no matter what, he might be granted the privilege of dwelling in the house of the Lord all of his days. I had a few people express this week how much they are missing coming to worship in God's house. Amen and amen. What a celebration it will be when we're able to return. But God is our safety now. He hides us and sets us up on a rock. Many people around the world don't have a physical space in which to worship. God meets us where we are, and we can find him anywhere. Verses 7 through 12 finds David in prayer. They are fitting words for us, so I would like us to stop now and pray them. God hear my voice when I call be merciful and answer me my heart is telling me to seek you don't hide your face from me or send me away in anger God you are my helper don't reject or forsake me others have turned away from me but not you Lord never you teach me your way Lead me in your path. Protect me from my enemies. Amen. These are words of deep connection and discipleship. Teach me your way, Lord. How have we turned to God in our lives and found him to be a constant source of presence and life and truth for us? We come into the house of the Lord so that we might get clarity for going back into the fray. That's the message here. The danger is still present for David. It hasn't gone away. But he receives assurance of God's ever-present help in times of trouble. David was not abandoned, and neither will we be. The last two verses are a perfect way to end this beautiful poem. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not all of the news is bad out there. And I want us to remember that all good belongs to God. Doing good things is what it means to be created in his image. Consider some of the stories that you might have heard about The siblings, ages nine and six, who heard that their elderly neighbor had been shut up in her house for five days straight. They knew that she loved classical music, so they put on their nice clothes and took their cellos to play an impromptu concert on her front porch. Our missionary friends, Paul and Delia, are in Argentina right now. They say every night at 9 o'clock, the whole neighborhood starts clapping together to remind one another that they are not alone. And we know that's happening all over the world. In Italy, in New York, people are singing from their balconies and their apartments to lift the souls of their neighbors and people who are nearby. We think about those who are visiting friends and neighbors and loved ones in nursing homes who stand outside their window, reminding them that they are not alone. I heard about uh, crews from a TV medical drama who are donating all of their masks and gowns to real hospitals who need them. I love that. In Brazil, there was a moving display. In Rio de Janeiro, they have the beautiful Statue of Christ, which overlooks the city This week it was illuminated with all of the flags of the countries affected by the virus. And it was accompanied by a message in multiple languages that said this, we pray together. All of the museums, the live streams of animals, the operas, the free shows that are being put online for people to watch. A particular favorite of mine is Yo-Yo Ma, who is offering a daily song of comfort. We also have to acknowledge all of the people in so many professions who are doing all the work to keep us safe and educated and fed and healthy and spiritually in tune and in touch with one another in our community alone. So much help and volunteer assistance is being offered. Think of all those connections. Think of all that good work where God gets to shine and be glorified God gives us inspiration to do good things. We are seeing it all around us. Love always helps. In every circumstance, there is sorrow and there is joy. No matter what happens, David reminds us, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We know this is true because we continue to experience it. We will continue to live out his life in us. His last exhortation is for us to wait for the Lord, to be strong and to take heart and to wait. We're all waiting. But we don't want to be people who wait in fear or dread. We acknowledge those feelings while we wait for what God will do. The world is changing quickly all around us. We wait for deliverance, for light, for strength. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? He is the stronghold of our lives. So let us look to him, allowing our souls to deepen and to trust him more in this time. Where is your confidence today? I know this is difficult. All of us are feeling it. This is very hard for us. If you are losing hope, take heart because God is in control. If you are anxious, give the Lord your fears as you can and receive his peace. No matter what the future holds, we have an unchanging, resurrected Lord and we wait for him. I invite you to pray silently now for a few moments. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.